Crosby guitar. Welcome back, everybody, and thanks for listening. You're listening to Inside Out, WTNS. That's Inside Out with Turner and Seth. I'm Turner. And I'm Seth, and we're here live tonight. Live, uh, live on tape, let's say. Live? Is it not really? It's not tape. I mean, we're live on digital. I call everything tape, Seth. You know me. I, know. I still listen to cassettes. Do you call gaff tape? Uh, only, when I'm, only when I'm mistaken. Oh. Because it's a gaff. <laughs> so how you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. I'm, you know, I've got to tell you, I'm excited. Uh, this is uh, our, episode, our fourth episode, Rob. We actually made it past three. And um, for those of you that have listened this far, thank you. And for those of you just joining us, welcome. Uh, uh, episode three uh, concluded our Colonel Bruce Hampton interview. That was our part two. That was the end of it. And mm-hmm. um, wonderful wisdom every time with the Colonel. You he can is, always he, count on him. Yeah, he will. You can always count on him to for a lot of things. He's One dialed the, in. He's dialed in in a big way. I would say he's dialed out. You're right. He would say that, too. You're he exactly would, right. He would say that. Well put. Well put. Touche. Well, in today's episode, we're going to be talking about a couple different things. We're going to give you guys a little bit of updates and just some chatter. We also have our expressions from, well, actually, expressions. expressions on expressions. Yeah. We're going to have an episode of that. Yeah, brah. And we're going to review a reviewer. We're going to review a reviewer. This review is one from Relics Magazine. Uh, it's going to be uh, a, a review on... Uh, and Umphreys McGee live release. This is uh, the dated review from a couple years ago. And we're going to close out the show with an interview with an Atlanta uh, industry veteran, primarily in booking, but he is aware of all facets of, uh, of the music business. His name is Chad Denny from Nimble Slick. Nimble Slick is a booking agency that books a wide variety of artists. Seth, I was just looking uh, at their website, and you could just look at their recent uh, bands that they picked up and see the variety of it, like a hip-hop group called Viva La Hop. That's a Viva La Hip, the Viva La Hop, a Viva Hip Hop. Come on, put your hands in the air. What you gonna say? Put your hands in the air. A reggae rock band, Dale and the Z Dubs. Yeah, man, you gotta. That's not reggae. A hip hop, uh, electronic hip hop band, but with live violin, guitar, and synth and piano called Skymatic. That's I'd like to check that out. Yeah, live violin, guitar, and synth piano along. To uh, in creating electronic hip hop, I'm not sure if that's along with some. Uh, you know, that reminds me of actually. Do you remember um, Revenge of the Nerds? And the uh, I think it was uh, no Revenge of the Nerds two. Yeah, it was two. Where they uh, hit the switch, hit the switch, hit the switch, and then <laughs> you know what I'm talking about or no? I love that line. Hit the switch, hit the switch. <laughs> At any rate, uh, they've got a boutique agency, Chad does, uh, Nimble Slick, and they, uh, the primary band's Perpetual Groove, and that's who we actually uh, opened the show with. We may play some more of them later. The, um, Chad's original band that he uh, cut his teeth booking was called Ancient Harmony. They were very big in Georgia about 15 years ago. I'm going to try to talk Seth into sneaking some of them on at the end of the show. We'll see. You'll be able to tell how successful I was if you listen closely till the end. And so, yeah, let's just get right into it, Ch- uh, Chad. Uh, Rob Turner. Um, yes. What is the, this week? They announced the Day of the Dead album. Oh, you being a wonderful. huge deadhead, uh, and me being a uh, fan of some of these indie rock bands. Um, let's. And let's I do too. I like it. a lot of these bands as, as well. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie and pretend like I know all of them. But Kurt Vile and the Violators. I mean, I've, I've seen him many times. I've even skipped fish to see him once, if you'll remember correctly. 
And uh, it'll be interesting to hear him do Box of Rain with Jay Maskus of Dinosaur Jr. Uh, fame. That one jumped out at me. Bela Fleck doing Help on the Way jumped out at me. You've already listened to the yes, War on I Drugs I, song, I Touch of Grey. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, they, uh, and I th- which I thought was fantastic. I always, he's got uh, that, well, the band's amazing, but the lead singer there has such an interesting voice. Um, and, and it does really, really well with, with that song. I also gave the Bruce Hornsby uh, Black Muddy River a listen and the National Morning Dew, the National Dewey Morning Dew. Or Spooky. Dewey. Spooky version. Yeah, Very which, haunting. We'll close out with that. I'm, I'm all about it, baby. I'll have to get the rights. Not the wrong. I'm all about it. I'm, I'm curious to hear the Walkman doing Ripple. I'm curious to hear local natives do Stella Blue. Stella Blue, Sacred Turf. What do you think, Sacred though? Turf. Why, uh... Excuse me. Why? Why the release of this now? Don't you think it would have been a little bit more potent uh, last summer? Maybe the dead didn't want other stuff released at that time, and I don't even think this was done. I mean, look at this. This is three CDs and yeah, we'll, we'll how many tracks? Over fifty. Uh, yeah, that so was. Is there any other? Uh... That's when Bob sat in at Americana Rama. He actually he sat in for a few out east here. I think you saw the Atlanta one, right? Mm-hmm. He sat in here and then in Nashville, but then he sat in again at. at um, Shoreline, he's signing for a long stretch, and that is what this St. Stephen that makes that makes it under this release is from. I'm curious to hear Ira Kaplan of Yola Tango oh, yeah. with his friends doing Warfrat. I love, and I the, love, I love Yola Tango. And and all the, the musicians on this compilation, by the way, are all over the place. I mean, Wynton Marsala. No, that's not Wynton. That's Wynton Marshall. Oh, excuse me, excuse me. I'd love to hear Wynton Marsala do anything grateful. You know, even just a up. riff. Well, no, that's the band fucked up doing Cream Puff War. Um, uh, yeah, so if you haven't seen this yet, I, I recommend you go to Pitchfork's website. You can actually listen to a, a couple of the tracks. And uh, uh, what I don't know is there set to is it released yet or is it set to be released? I think it's, it's coming set out. To be released. Oh yeah, May twentieth. Yeah, and you know what's funny? Salon Salon dot com took the ball and ran with it. I think this is a little carried away, but um, they <laughs> they have that story that says, "Sorry, the dead are now cool." Now all these bands have done this cover. Here's here's the headline: "Sorry, but the Grateful Dead are cool now." This upcoming hater-proof tribute officially ends their decades of dorkdom, which I don't think is true. I don't want it to be true. You want some element of dorkdom in well, the Grateful Dead the scene. You, you always want that to be at least somewhere in there. I, I agree, but when it, when it comes to the Salon website, I typically just comb through the articles. Okay, that one wasn't bad. All hey, right. listen, that one I... wasn't bad. I actually chuckled. <laughs> and if you chuckle, please email us at. Inside out WTNS at gmail.com. Let us know you chuckled and you may just win a prize. So I want to talk about some of the uh, guests we might have coming up, by the way. We are working on a, 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 paro, a, duo, a, paro, a duo of uh, guests. Um, uh, the uh, Disco Biscuits are coming through town and we are going to have both Mark Brownstein, also a.k.a. Brownie. And Aaron Magner, who also plays with Billy and the Kids. Mm-hmm. And they both also play with Electron. I've been checking out some Electron you on YouTube. Did you the yeah. Jam Cruise release that came out today? Seth was uh, quick to point that out, and it is a very cool version of Money with Ron Holloway and Tommy Hamilton playing. i, I got to be honest with you. I, you know, look, I like Electron. I love all this music, and I love Jam Cruise. And that night, um, Electron on the pool deck. It was a cool night. Tommy Hamilton crushed it. The band crushed it. It was Honestly, it was, you know, they say there's a sleeper set, you know, in every show, every festival, the band that just, you know, surprises everyone. I guess everyone kind of was like, ah, Pink Floyd will be good. You know, they're going to do good stuff. But man, they crushed it. They, it, everybody, anyone that was on Jam Cruise 14 that saw that set will tell you that was the set. 
And Ron Holloway, what an incredible sax player. Incredible. As I was telling you, I've reviewed one of the first Juanese, maybe the second or third Juanese, and, and Holloway with his own band and then sitting in across the festival just basically stole the show, was like a highlight, single-handedly a highlight of that festival. He is such a wonderful player, and he's played with a who's who of jazz and soul uh, musicians. Yeah, he, he's, he's, he is great. I was glad to, glad to see him on Jam because we're really glad to see him just perform in that element, and he nailed it. So, so yeah, the, the, uh, the, those guys are going to be here. We've also got the great Peacock uh, that we're going to That's confirmed. We're going to have them. Uh, and we've uh, talked to Dan Berkowitz over with CID. And with CID and Dan, what he's going to talk about, uh, we're going to get him over here in a little bit, either a phone or if he's chance, there's a small chance he'll be in Atlanta where our paths will cross. But we're going to grab him. If he comes to Atlanta, we're going to grab him. We, we discuss what we're going to talk about. Instead of just really talking about CID, he's going to talk about how he got to where he's at. Now, if you guys don't know who Dan Berkowitz is in CID Entertainment, uh, they are the VIP experience. Um, at music festivals, uh, and they now are producing. Uh, they produce the Fish Festival in in uh, Mexico, as well as some other destination festivals. Yeah, I mean they, they've got the Luke Bryan one is also in Mexico, right. and they so they've, they're they're branching out into sports and uh, all sorts of stuff, but primarily a VIP company. And but Dan's not going to just talk about all the stuff he's got going on. What what what's going to be interesting that I'm excited, really excited about is talking about how he uh, went from you know being in a sh- uh, the poor schmuck that went on tour to babysit bands <laughs> to a very successful businessman. He had he had great ideas. I remember 10, 15 years ago. Geez, I don't remember what it was now, but somewhere about let's uh, we'll call it twelve and a half. Uh, he was uh, doing the. Um, doing a VIP type deal with um, RVs at Langarado and other festivals too. And just kind of was, you know, similar to how I started my company. Uh, but the difference is instead of going after the volunteers that don't have money, getting them into the shows, he was going after the people that have money and getting them to spend more money at shows. Right. <laughs> well, I think it will be really interesting talking about how he got it off the ground because he had to not only convince the festivals and the other venues for these uh, events, but he had to convince the artists Mm-hmm. Um, this is a, probably some real skillful s- selling going on in the initial stage. I'm sure it still is going on, but particularly so in the initial stages. Mm-hmm. And, and how it's really changing the blueprint of music festivals. And with um, you know, Work Exchange team being Seth's, uh, one of Seth's primary jobs, it would be nice to talk about, uh, get his, Dan's perspective on how you, know, you can get into music business, you know, good heads up things on uh, you know, strategery. Strategery. But yeah, and uh, Chad will talk about that later in this interview as well with the strategery. Yes, yes, true. But yeah, but, but the thing with Dan, I think that's really going to be interesting. If you're a fan, uh, rather, of our show, if you're a fan of our show or just a, a new listener or a current listener, what, whoever you are, if you're listening and you have any interest in how people get into this business, that's an interview you're not going to want to miss because he's going to tell you how he went from a fan to a professional. And uh, can I mention one other uh, future guest, even though I don't think we have him formally booked, but I've been, I've been looking at this, this song is sick.com. Mm-hmm. Ben Baruch. I'm hoping we have him, um, you know, we got to get this phone thing arranged. I think soon we're going to be able to have phones. Oh, yeah, yeah, we can, we can do that today, uh, but uh, not with him because we have to obviously not just call someone. I mean, if you want to call someone, we can call my mother, but that's, you know, you, you did that last night. By the way, she says, please stop, Rob. Well, you know, she she initiates it. Anyways, uh, his most recent entry is about this Lido or Lido. He remixed the new uh, Kanye West album into an eight-minute song. Hmm. And you could scroll on down. You go to thissongissick.com. 
And it's all different genre, and it's a great way to keep up with, because there's a, it, this is the tough thing about keeping up with modern music, is because there's this sea of shit out there. So when you have someone like this to distill it for you, someone very knowledgeable, and someone very aware, you should take note. Absolutely, and this, that site is full of great, great stuff. I mean, Rob, you never heard of it. I told you about it the other week, and you've been an addict probably. I love it. I love it. I'm definitely learning from it, and it's fun learning when the music's really good. Now we got a couple more things before we get to Chad. Oh, um, well, of course, you got to know when to hold them, Rob. Oh, right. I, I, yeah, that's true. Go ahead. You can break the news. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Kenny Rogers' final tour has come upon this summer. He's, he's folding the cards in, folks, and uh, they say that this is going to be his last tour. One of his houses is less than 20 miles from where we are right now. Is that true? Yes. I didn't know that. I always thought it smelled like chicken around there. Kenny is a good man. He's a good man. Well, I wonder, does this mean we're going to see more of him on commercials? Probably. He's going to do the Peyton Manning thing. He's going to be ever-present. But what about David Gilmore? Ah, well, you know, if you pay attention to Facebook or any social media, uh, I'm sure you've seen the uh, videos just surfacing now of his recent tour. And by the way, the feedback, that tour, I mean, the recent show, it was an L.A. Hollywood Bowl. Uh, he's, he's got a, how many, I don't know, it was a pretty small tour, if I'm right. Yes, and I, I, I had been off Periscope for a while, Seth. I hadn't been watching, doing the Periscope well, thing. for our viewers that don't know, or viewers, for our listeners that don't know, what is Periscope? Periscope is an app that you can get on your, on your um, iPhone, and you can click on it, and then it gives you a universe of all stuff that's, that people are basically videotaping and you're watching live, not so videotaping. Like, it's like live you video. A con- so you're at, a, you're at a concert, you can do that? Right. So I knew, a friend of mine happened is to be going legal? to... legal? I mean, can people legally um, go to show Depends on the artist. Some artists are very much against it, but you know, it's not permanent. You know, 20, uh, 24 to 48 hours later, it's gone. Okay. There's no permanence to it. So. Oh, wait, so you're the guy that's in front of me at the show with your camera, and I'm like, why is he taking such a long video? Right, and you're the guy next to me talking during Stella Blue? I'm not, but hey, speaking of which, don't you think we should have a show just to talk about that? Talk about talking? Yeah, I actually have a great article on it, but we're not, we're not going to squeeze, we're not going to try to shoehorn it in now. <laughs> so to get back it. to what you I were saying, Periscope show. and So yeah, so this, this is a great thing, Periscope, and the, and the trick, of, if any of you are already on it, one of the tricks you got to kind of train yourself when you're, when you're trying to look for a specific show, once you pull up the video and you like the video and the sound, you got you to swipe that bugger to the right and tap on the person's name and follow them because then you'll be able to watch the replay of it for 24, 48 hours. And there were three different people that I saw periscoping from David Gilmore in L.A. And I basically essentially watched almost the whole show. Mm-hmm. Sitting on my couch in, in Atlanta. Beautiful. So wonderful show too. His tone is just wonderful. He's still very much, very much on his game. His new material blends perfectly with his old stuff. It's too bad he's not doing more dates. He's doing scattered U.S. dates. Well, do you think he's going to be like Prince, who with the piano and a microphone tour are just announcing stuff either day of or like one week out? I don't know. He he announced rated to. I see he's playing. Kilmore's uh, tour is ending at Radio City Music Hall April tenth, and then two nights at the Garden. I don't remember that Radio City being announced. Was that maybe that was one that was announced late? I don't know. What about uh, festivals? How come Gilmore's not doing like Bonnaroo and not his Coachella? Thing. Not his thing, but I mean, I don't even think he's ever done Glastonbury. Quite frankly, he's just not a festival guy. That's interesting, though, because it seems like that's the bread and butter for people these days. He's done Nebworth with Pink Floyd, huh. and I seem to remember Pink Floyd doing another one, but I don't remember Gilmore playing solo at any festival ever. Correct me if I'm wrong, please enlighten us. 
And you mentioned Prince, though. We're all excited here in Atlanta, even though I can't probably go because it's yeah. so expensive. But Prince is doing, I had heard initially one. You're telling me now two dates at, at the Fox Theater in Atlanta, Georgia. Mm-hmm. One oh. of these last-minute announces, as you say. But it's $350 for the best whoa, seats. Whoa, 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 whoa. What's the worst seats? A hundred, and at, at the Fox, the worst seats. I mean, I love the Fox, nothing against it, but the worst seats are pretty bad. The sound can be pretty bad. I just assume be at home watching on my damn Periscope. Do you mind if we take a caller? Oh, wait. Caller, you're on the air. Uh, hi, is this Tradio? I'm calling about the microwave. No, no, this isn't the... No, no yeah, I know, you, you can't do that, but you can be a caller. We're actually talking about Prince. Uh, if Prince was to come to Tallahassee, caller, would you go? Uh, even though tickets are anywhere from 100 to $350? Yes. Ask how he likes that new venue in Tallahassee, the new outdoor venue. Go ahead, ask. That where we saw Wilco. Can you hear me? You got to tell He can me. hear you. What did you... What did yeah, you I can what, hear you. I can hear you. That, and actually, we just got a, another venue, a uh, 10,000 seat amphitheater just opened up. Uh, just opened up a couple... I think it opens up next month, actually. Oh, by the way, our caller is Jonathan Jones from Tallahassee, Florida. Jonathan, how you doing? Good. I'm John Jones. I'm the UFC champ. I don't Universal for Fighting Coalition. What what is that? Yeah. What was the Something name? Like of, that, yeah. What was the name of the place where we saw Wilco? That was the first time I saw him do that acoustic encore thing. That was uh, Cascades Park. Yeah, they had, Seth. Dogs are allowed. I could bring Birdie to a show at this venue. Really? It's, it's like a a little outdoor nestling by the railroad tracks. A little, I'd say Great. what six thousand, seven thousand, not even five thousand. What do you think? Yeah, probably about three, four thousand, I would guess. All I hear you saying, Rob, is you have something else to bitch about. I went to a show and not only the people talking, but the dogs are barking. Uh. I know, I had a great well, time. What's the topic? What's going on, guys? What are, we, what are we talking about? Well, we're talking about right now. I mean, we're just finishing up talking about Prince and, uh, oh, wait a second. Actually, talked about David Gilmore, talked yeah, about Disco This, this caller, by the way, when I, I remember the, when I first was getting into Pink Floyd 20 years ago, this caller said it Pink Floyd's great unless it's you're talking about Gilmore. You still feel that way? Oh yeah. I mean, it's not really Pink Floyd, right? Well, the court settled that. I don't know. It's nice to hear Gilmore's guitar, that's the bottom line, but the real Pink Floyd is when you have Waters and Gilmore. And I guess uh, you know, by by the real if you really want to be tough about it, when Richard Wright died, the real Pink Floyd did, right? Well, what about Sid Barrett? That's true. If you want to be a stickler, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, it's his band. He started the band, no? True, but there was no way he could possibly have carried on. So I think that's kind of moot. No, I don't disagree with that. But I'm just saying. I mean, it's, you know, look. I think David Gilmore was a big trailblazer in setting up this, this whole paradigm of music, where you have, you know, twenty-two-year-old uh, Filipino guys leading bands like Journey. Yeah. Um, you know, that was kind of all him. There was that court case in, what, 83, where the, the court ruled that he could carry on a name, even right. though Roger Waters wasn't in the band. Right. And that kind of did start that entire trend where now you have guys who are dead, you know, three or four members of the band are dead, and, like, one, you know, guy's cousin keeps the band name going. It's 2000. Oh. This is the year 2022. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage... Tower of Power. <laughs> but but hear me out on this. Um, one time when I was down in Florida, I went and saw the Artie Shaw Orchestra. And of course, all the original members of Artie Shaw are long since dead. But man, it was a great show. It was great to celebrate his music. What about the idea of the name outlasting the uh, band members? 
Gallon Brothers. Yeah, I hear they're fantastic. A friend of ours, a trumpet player, sure Seth Merlin, uh, was with them for a little while. Really? Groups like that become institutions, right? They do, but, that, but that's a celebration of the music, you know, and not so. So sure. it's, I mean, but that's no different. Well, there is a difference. I mean, it's like you're not going to have like the the Australian Pink Floyd carry on the Pink Floyd. You're going to have Pink Floyd carry on Pink Floyd as a brand, right? Right. But I like the idea of having one the band at least having some thread back to the original. Like the Almond Brothers band are a good example of that. That mm. easily could have. Just segued on and on and on and on, I, I think, you know. And that was actually Weir's initial idea, from my understanding, after Garcia passed, when, when Weir made bl- a blunder and said something about the dead carrying on and got kind of hammered in the media. Or in from the sports circle. radio to dead radio with Rob Turner. <laughs> no, but seriously, it's a touchy thing. And like he says, that was the beginning of it. When Gilmore won that case and Pink Floyd went on without Waters, that's a really, really astute point. Yeah. If you look back in rock and roll time, that from there on out, that was when you started seeing the trickling out of band. The band was shortly thereafter, right? Didn't the band reunite after that? I think they did, yeah. I think you're right about that. I think they did, yeah, because it was like 85, I think, right? Wasn't that when yeah, they got maybe, back together? Maybe even 84. 84, 85, right, right. Because sure. I think they opened for the dead New Year's 84, um, 85. Yeah, it's an interesting. It's an interesting thing. Um, I don't know. Mm. You know, it's inter- it's an interesting concept. Like, how do you prove ownership of a band? Well, ask Michael Jackson or the Beatles about that. But in, another thing, in David Gilmore's defense, Pink Floyd only did the two tours. Since then, he's only done David Gilmore stuff. He's until this tour, he stayed in theaters. He's only now started doing arenas that I'm aware of. Well, back to what we were starting yeah, talking right. about, though, is the reviews out there right now are pretty, 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 pretty good. Guys still can play as well. What wonderful oh, Gilmore? Time. People are saying that the Gilmore show oh, is okay. is enjoyable. Oh, and I'm sure they're I'm sure they're I'm sure they're they're great. I think Gilmore's you know the legend, you know, and, and rightfully so. Hmm. Well, caller. Um, I just don't like the division, though. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> Wait. Well, by the way, you know that album Pulse. It's still blinking. In Is my, it really? It's still. It's still blinking. I gave mine away a long time ago. <laughs> I listened to it so much, I was like, I might as well the give it away. Is still blinking? No, I'm just kidding. It's not blinking. Yeah, I was going to say, it doesn't blink on my Spotify. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, there was a live album, I think, after the 94 tour, and they had a, 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 a an LED, a small red LED light that was blinking in a yeah. pulse that, I don't know, was it sold on you that it was supposed to blink in perpetuity or what? I don't know. I mean, no, not for, it was. Yeah, I don't know. Is there a little teeny, 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 tiny battery you can buy to assure that it continues blinking? I don't know, but apparently you'd have to ask my parent named Lee. Now, should we ask him to introduce our interview? Oh, uh, no, because we're only going into expressions of a tired oh, expression. Oh, that's right. Though. I forgot about our little bits. Yeah, would you like to hear, would you like to introduce the uh, expression? Sure. Okay, well, let's do this. That's, that's the expression, dude. What let's do I, this. What have I done? <laughs> let's do this. So, uh, caller, thanks for calling. We'll, we'll just, I'm going to put the phone down now. You want me to hang up? Yeah, so thanks for being on the show, thanks though. Thanks for being on the show. We, we appreciate, appreciate your it. input. Oh, before we go, okay. and uh, well, okay. I don't even, we'll probably have to do, you know, oh, he's gone. Rob will probably do a little. Oops, that was awkward. Again, why do our phone calls always end awkwardly? Uh, we got to work on that. Expressions on tired hey, expression. Uh, 
And this week's tired expression, let's do this. Hey, let's do this. Uh, you know, if one more band gets on stage and goes, all right, everybody, you ready? Let's do this. It's it become very cliche. And again, it seems to be, be a thing that's kind of morphed. Let's do this, Rob. Ready? You ready? Uh, by the way, I, I, Rob and I were texting today, and I'm like, Rob, expressions, tired expressions tonight. Let's go, let, you know. Uh, I said something very simple like, you know. This is great. You're giving people a window behind the scenes here. I, can I, I'm going to pull up the text. Talk about something for a second, Rob. Well, I'm going to say I looked it up in, in an urban dictionary. And it originally, and because this, of course, like all the best expressions came out of like hip hop, I think. And, um, but it was usually uttered by some ultra cool individual who is grimly determined to do something unpleasant or difficult but necessary. Why are bands saying that if that's, oh, now first heard by me on The Simpsons. In the episode spoofing behind the music in which one of Bard's posse utters those deathless words. But who said it first? I believe, I believe it came from hip hop. Well, it's possible, but, but you know, who, wherever it came from, it's just, Yo, it's let's enough. do this. Yo. I mean, I mean, it's just like everybody gets, you know, do football. Is that a football thing? I'm not a sports guy, but they go and they go out there and be like, all right, you're going to get the ball. We're going to do this. You're, you're all ready. You get the ball. One, two, three. Let's do this. Maybe. I might have heard that once or twice. So today I text. I know do your job I've heard. Do your job I've heard a bunch. Go ahead. Sorry, no, no. I apologize. Go ahead. No, no, you please. What's the deal with the text? Set up the text. Oh, uh, yeah. So tonight, Rob, I say to Sam, I go, hey, for tonight's review, and expressions. Let's go ahead and do a review tonight. And for expressions, let's do this. All oh, right, I forgot about this. And then Rob says, "Which <laughs> expression? expression?" I go, "Because I see you well, as a let's, let's do, do this, this user. That's how I see you. <laughs> That's the truth revealed." Oh, man. which expression? No, but you know, I'm just so over let's it. Let's do this. Do there's, right. There's certain bands that I really do enjoy. <laughs> yes, but. I just can't take it when they get on stage and half the show. It, it, basically, it's like Michael Fronte. How you feeling? Right. Let's do this. It's enough, please. Humphrey says it. That's what do we damn like, sure. just enough of this? Let's do this. Please say something else. Let's I do don't this. want let's to do hear. This. Let's do you this. guys ready? Let's do this. Let's do this. You know what? Let's not. Let's not do that. Let's do something else. What is it? Something else that somebody could. I'm going to go Italian. Hey, Roberto, eh? what is something that the people can do instead of saying, yeah, let's do this. What can they say? Eh? What can they say? Let's do this. No, instead of let's do this. Let's do this. If I was Italian and Spanish, like Mexican Spanish, I would say, let's do this. Eh? Tenemos que do this. Oh, speaking of which, do you have an expression that is definitely tired? Send it in. To we'll break it down. InsideOutWTNS at gmail.com. That's InsideOutWTNS at gmail.com. And for those of you listening, if you email W, rather, if you email InsideOutWTNS at gmail.com with this subject, let's do this, let's we do will what? send you a reply that so says generic. you won nothing. It's just generic. However, you Let's may win do something. Do what? So what? do it. Do you what? You want to do something? Email us inside out, WTNS at gmail.com. And if you Bullshit. do, with the subject, this. Let's, Let's do this, we will give you a prize. Are you want a prize? It will be. Would you want no kind of prize it is going to be? I'm a hipster. Would you like to know a prize? Let's do this. Would you like to know a prize? Yeah, totally. Of course I want to know It's going to be a surprise. It's a British prize. And now. Shouldn't have encouraged you. The reviewers.
Oh, I got a great one. Viewing the reviewers. I wrote a review. A review of you. So now someone else is on the pill. Is going to review my review. The review of the review. What's the year on this one? Two thousand. And I can't find the date. It's about 10 years ago. Shouldn't, these, shouldn't that be written like right on the... Oh, 2007, right there. Umphreys McGee, live at the Murat. Murat is a venue in Indiana. Whoa. You're, okay, sorry. Never mind, go ahead. Really? You're just blown away? You're, are you pre-blown? Um, I'm, uh, yeah, I don't even know what to say. So again, say, state the year. 2007, Humphreys McGee, live at the Murat. This is, a, this is a review, it looks like, of a CD. Oh. Not an MP3. Two CDs, actually. Do you think the reviewer listened to it on CD? Looks like the reviewer is a little enthusiastic about it. All right, let's go. Let's hear it. Let's do this. Might have, might have listened to it on tiny speakers. While the ferocious side of Humphreys McGee is certainly contained within, this release is pivotal for the band because it evidences its unique approach to improvisation. So there's a unique approach to improvisation for Humphreys. Is that is that redundant? <laughs> Sorry, isn't again? improvisation inherently unique? Would that be redundant to say someone has a unique approach to that's isn't that saying they have a unique approach to their unique moments. It might be redundant. It's we might have to go to to the league offices in Toronto. This is moving forward. During crackling readings of Paget's profile in the kitchen, which begins acoustic and moves electric mid improv. So those are songs, by the way, right? Yes. Okay. And push the pig. That's another one. And triple wide. The band. Deftly weaves in and out of separate, seemingly composed sections after it has veered away from each song's structure. These sections, one with lyrics, another feisty one earning the title feisty. Angular Momentum. Feisty. Whoa, 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 hold on. These sections. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yes. The sections mentioned in the previous sentence. Yeah, but, but then you said Angular Momentum? That's they, uh, that is one of the sections is actually broken off apparently into its, its own song, Angular Momentum. Oh, Which that sounds, wasn't that wasn't kind of asteroidy. So that wasn't the reviewer's like terminology. No, there is terminology coming up though. So saddle up. Seatbelt. These sections, one with lyrics, another feisty one, earning the title "Angular Momentum," serve as grounding points, keeping the band's spontaneous inclinations from descending into self-indulgent territory. Apparently, didn't do the same for the, for the writer. <sighs> Excuse me. What was that? Oh, that's sweet, dude. Way to support. Way to support your co-host. You nodding off? No, nah, I'm just, you know, really into this review. Seth is not. Seth is bored by the review. But at least he's at least he's he's being measured with his response. I'm listening. He's making an effort to listen, folks, which is improvement, right? Other standout umph nuggets. Umph nuggets. Umph nuggets. Is that like chicken nuggets? nuggets? I don't know. Other standout umph nuggets, not to mention 70s fusion, 80s rock and metal guitar tones abound as well. Okay, so basically, hold on, hold on. Yes. That can be summed up in one word, prog rock. Okay. Just saying that whatever that reviewer was saying there, doesn't 70s and 80s, like, but you just say that again? 70s fusion, 80s rock and metal guitar tones. 
Well, I rock. think the metal might add a, a beyond that. That gives it the muscular side of, of Prague, as opposed to the yes side. Although they get into that too. You know, I don't know if it was hip hop, it'd be frog rock because it's happening. Hip hop. Well, examples are a spirited '40s theme, a superb out of order, and an exploratory white man's moccasins. So racist. Which could be about your shoes. The advisory, the fuzz, unfolds into a dizzying dual guitar gateway into the back half of nothing too fancy. Uh, <laughs> you okay, Seth? Where'd you go? Well, I, I'm just looking at your levels, and I thought that you just popped that, popped it, but I could be wrong. Go back to what you were saying. Brendan Bayless's vocals are typically strong throughout, particularly on the Hajimama and the Mama Shite. Never learned how to sing that or uh, sing it. I can sing it. Never learned how to pronounce that one. Yet, Let's try it. Haji Memashite. Why don't you that sing Grace it? That Grace Lee's is in and out of Ringo, which sounds obscene. Ringo? Is that a reference to Beta? The rhythm section's relentlessly creative muscle and keyboardist Joel Cummins' artful inputs are captured with clarity thanks to a brilliant mix. Even the band's loyal following is represented as well, is represented well as the exuberance of this Indiana crowd, while maybe cute at times. Is still infectious. Well, there you have a review. Um, out of curiosity, what is the name of the reviewer? Because I, I got to be honest with you, I, I wasn't that impressed. Really? What didn't you like about it? Beyond um, when we already ripped it up. <laughs> yeah, it was mine. Wait, who? I have another one in there that's good. Wait, whoa, 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 Actually, whoa, whoa. two others. What do you mean it was yours? Yeah, okay. I was a little bit of a fanboy. Let's say I was on the leading edge, though. Wait, you mean that was your article? You wrote that? I was a fanboy before Mark Marin made it cool to be a fanboy, because now he gets a lot of the best interviews, and he's a bit of a fanboy. Wow. Mark Rob Marin's a fanboy. Do you, do Mark Marin's a fanboy. Okay, we're talking about Inside Out here for a second. You did not tell me that you were going to be reviewing yourself today. Had I known that, it would have been a little nicer or a little harsher. I don't know. Well, I think it's good to point out that this is all in good fun. Send in reviews that you'd like us to review. We'll Two. have fun with them. They could be they could be written by one of us. I'm sure you could find Seth's stuff out there. Uh, the only review There's I have there's a review of something I did, my bar mitzvah. And oh, my mother, you know what my mother uh, said? <laughs> you know what she said at my after my bar mitzvah? Where's Rob? You could do better. Could you put a little more in that, please? Please. So off my mother back onto the show. She said that that exact same thing before. Uh, I mean, on the show. <laughs> yes, well, it's only you know. Fourth episode. What can I tell you? Yeah, you know, listen. Time. If you ask my father, you know what he'd say. Huh? Ask your mother. Huh? So, but for real, folks, we're interested. If you got, if you read a, here's the PSA. If you've read a recent article online on a magazine or anywhere in humanity, please. And you would like us to review it from our grizzled, grumpy. Veteran perspective. Email us at insideoutwtns at gmail.com. That's insideoutwtns at gmail or social media, just insideoutwtns on on social media, right? Yes, you can find us at insideoutwtns on social media. Social media. And uh, that leads us to social media. The Chad Denny interview with Nimble Slick. We uh, really enjoyed interviewing him at Terrapin Brewery in Athens, Georgia. It was very nice of them, as we said before. They let us take over their conference room. 
Um, I want to point out that Perpetual Groove is playing Ziggy's by the Sea in Wilmington, North Carolina, May 26th. And check this out, the Rooster Walk 8 in Watkinsville, Georgia, on May 27th. And the two nights at the poorhouse, May 28th and 29th in Charleston, South Carolina. Yeah, and, and yeah. So, Chad, and, and a quick note, Chad Denny, a uh, great friend of ours, uh, a very influential person in the music industry. He, um, you'll hear in the interview that he's uh, a farmer, if you will, of talented bands. Uh, but not just the bands. He's he's helped a lot of people find their way into the music business through uh, guidance and leadership and uh, mentoring. And he's got a good ear, way way behind in many many different genre of music. Very good ear and a good, um, you know, good eye for what can be, what can draw. What so could, what could do well with repeat plays in certain markets? That's often what you're thinking about. Oh yeah, stop the market, baby. So without starving you any further, ladies and gentlemen, Chad Denny. All right, Inside Out with Turner and Seth uh, here live at the Terrapin Brewery. In this lovely and spacious conference room here that Spike has, Brian Spike Bukowski has allowed us to use, Mm -hmm. and John Corcoran. The brewers, the owners. Uh, We are um, in the Rye Room, actually. Oh, I didn't realize that. Now I'm wearing a Rye Squared Vintage, the now def- gone Rye Squared Terrapin. <laughs> and joining right. us here is Chad Denny. Hello. Chad Denny, booking agent. Well, he's the president and CEO of Nimble Slick, which is a very, very large and continuing to grow booking agency. Chad's been booking bands for over 20 years now, right, Chad? Yeah, scary enough. It's, I'm still here. I'm still going. <laughs> still calling people. Can you talk about when you are at the very beginning of starting a booking agency and you have to sort of nurture and create these relationships? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it, I've, I've done it's, some... It's, it's called befriending a band and, and helping them out. <laughs> True, but also the booking agents, particularly these festival ones, I've done a, a little cold calling on booking and it's, it's tough. You know, you, 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 you have to, they, you know, the, the venues want to draw, they want this, they want that, you know. And you, Absolutely. You, you, can you talk about that? Yeah. yeah, you know, I mean, you know, finally, you know, well, initially you got to find something that you, you know, really believe in musically, uh, something that you like. Uh, hopefully you find a band that um, understands the word, the music business. Uh, you know, uh, it's like I say, once they, you know, there's 13 letters in the word music business and eight of them are business. So when you, <laughs> you get that part of it, then, you know, some of the other comes easy. But, you know, you, you got to be passionate about it. You know, it, it's like anything else. Uh, you're selling it to uh, buyers across the country uh, who everybody's vying for those shows. Uh, so, you know, you, you kind of have to, you know, f- believe in it and push it through the door, uh, even when it may not have any market history, you know. So uh, it, it's a tough game. And, you know, it's like I say, if this was sports where the most talented made the most money, then, you know, our job would be really easy, um, unfortunately. Well, speaking to that, <laughs> and you talk about everybody vying for these gigs, 
Yes. Uh, one of the frustrations must be when the larger booking agents swoop in and grab a grab a room that you want, you know, at the last minute because these rooms are somewhat beholden to the largest agents, so they want to please them. Is that correct? Yes, that, that definitely happens. Uh, it's way uh, more hurtful when they sweep in and snag up that artist you've been working for three years <laughs> after you imagine. spent three years of time building it. You well, know. Well, but at the end of the day, you know, that just really means we've done our job correct. You well, know? correct me if I'm wrong, though. Wouldn't you say uh, that? you as a boutique agent are also mm-hmm. uh, if this was an allergy of baseball um, you uh, like Colonel Bruce are are at the top of the game of being in the minor leagues and and kind of hanging with minor leagues and being a, uh, um, a a coach if you will and kind of getting the bands from 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 being just you know a little bit of touring to getting them on the road and prepping them up and Training them, get them, get in the wheels all getting greased them respecting, up. And, <laughs> getting them to be a desired act with a draw and with a, a national following. Uh, absolutely. You know, I mean, you know, that's obviously the hardest part. You know, I mean, uh, what we do, uh, you know, being a boutique agency is, uh, you know, that that's the struggle. You know, is really finding the time to take on a project that you believe in at the same time, you know, being able to push down those barriers to get them into, you know, a normal working rotation in many markets, whatever that tour plan might call for. Um, you know, so it's a little tough, you know. Uh, it's gratifying when you do bust down all those walls and the numbers do start coming and, and um, you know, and the band does start to grow. Uh, it's exciting time and, and uh, you know, money's being made on all fronts, on all ends by everyone at that point. Um, so, you know, it, it's very gratifying, but it's very tough to, you know, kind of, especially in today's world. You know, today's world, you know, back in the day, you know, you had a Rolodex and, and you made phone calls and, you know, if you were in, you were in. And, and, uh, but these days you're fighting, you know, uh, 150, 200, 500 emails a day that's coming into these buyers, you know. Yeah. So, so well, but, you, that, but that's where you come in, though. You have a relationship. I mean, you are Chad Denny, you are everybody's buddy. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. That, that helps. But, you know, uh, everybody's buddy <laughs> hopefully better be bringing some money to the table. <laughs> you know, it, that's what makes this world go around uh, all the same, you know. So, yeah, it, it's, uh, you know, it, that is a big part of it. And relationships do play a big part of it. But, you know, when you have an artist that, that really doesn't have numbers, so to say, or, you know, it's a specific region or market, depending on whether they're touring uh, locally, regionally, or nationally, uh, then you kind of go in and sell those buyers on, hey, they, you know, guys are not going to draw anything. They've never been here. You know, they're probably going to draw a few because there's somewhat of a national buzz on the name and the brand. But at the end of the day, you know, it really kind of comes down to selling that buyer on, yeah, well, it might not draw anything. Thing over the top, you know, this first time, but yeah. you know, we're looking at four dates that we're laying down and not one. So you know, so then you know, the funny scenario is, is I'm not trying to sell this guy or this buyer, you know, one date of a guy who he might not know or does not draw in that market, but I'm selling him four dates, you know, to build upon. Mm-hmm. You know? Or if I remember back mm-hmm. when I was a booking agent, not booking, when I was a talent buyer, promoter back in Tallahassee, uh, early. Uh, Jamon presents. <laughs> that's right. 96, 97, 98. 98, yep. And that's, uh, you know, I remember talking to Chad and your, your big pitch was this band P-Groove and how they're, they're going to be big one day and you got to get on it right when you can. And, you know, you, you weren't selling me just on the band. You were selling me on 
the fact that these guys, you want to be a part of this. You want to, this is the time to get in. It's almost like a timeshare, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably a good way to put it. And it is. It really but is. It, it was an investment of, uh, yeah, you got an opportunity to promote. You got these rooms and, and, um, and this is a band you want to be, you want to be with them. And, you know, I, I'm glad I did. I, I, I started when I moved from, uh, from doing, uh, the promotions into publicity, they were one of my clients. I was able to uh, work with them on the album release, and it was a great experience, and um, and the band's still around. Matter of fact, they're, they're still with you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're one of the longtime artists that, you know, I've represented from pretty much the beginning of their career. And uh, I guess it's close to 11 or 12 years now, roughly, you know, and and oddly enough, there's a lot of those, you know, promoters that we did have close bonds, you know, going back to your timeshare analogy, and we still work with a lot of those promoters on some level, you know, because uh, they have moved up uh, over time in the industry uh, just like the band did, you well, know. So that's a good, so it got me thinking. Um, I remember being in college and, and talking to you and creating a friendship and a relationship, and you know, here I am now on a podcast. So, um, but some of these talent buyers that you talked to that were col- in college, you still, are, these folks now have moved on up or doing different things, but you also have this new, new generation of young music business, uh, young promoters. Are you finding a lot of young promoters doing the same thing that, that I was doing back in the uh, late 90s? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they're, you know, I don't know if they're quite as, uh, you know, tuned in to how things work necessarily. Uh, sometimes you're teaching them their job, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, depending on what level they're at, of course. But, but, you know, they're out there, they're trying, they're, they're fighting for dates and artists, and yeah, very much is still alive, and it's a Well, that's just thing. one of the things that Chad's... Uh, I don't think all agents do what you do with that, but I remember there was a time where it's like, all right, well, I really want the band. You're like, all right, well, just give me the offer. Offer? <laughs> yeah. yeah, just give me, oh, I'm giving you an offer. I'd like to have the band come. No, 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 let me, all right, all right, open your email. Actually, at that time it was, uh, I'll mail you this. That's good. <laughs> Here, I'll fax this to you. No, but you, you would basically, you, you helped, you, you should. Yeah. You said, look, if you want this act, this is how you do it. This is how you propose, uh, you know, make sure, what, what, you know, what about, um, are we doing a buy-in? What are we, buy-in, what? Buy-out? Yeah, it's a buy-out. Uh, you know, all these things that come into it, you, you basically said, hey, man, this is what you do. When you put an offer, don't forget to put this in here. And by the way, make sure you do this because otherwise you're going to screw yourself. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Shh. That's but on the band side, <laughs> do a lot of these bands come to you having never even signed a contract for their gigs before? Uh, absolutely. Well, a lot of the artists, you know, they don't have to sign the contracts necessarily for, um, you know, the artists' contracts that go out to the buyers. Uh, you know, we, we sign an artist agency agreement with them and then, you know, that's all, you know, has to do with accounting and, and legal uh, at the end of the day. But but uh, for the most part, no, uh, you know, they, they don't sign a contract and get it back to us. That just goes to their team, you know, goes to their publicist. But I'm just saying that was that's a foreign concept uh, to them. Uh, Previous to, I mean, you're getting these bands when they're when they're young, for the most part. Well, yeah, some of them. I mean, you know, and, and it varies. I mean, there are some artists that we see that we like and we sign it because we can, you know, and, and we believe in it and we, you know, think we can plug it in. And, and if they understand the business side and, and, you know, what we're trying to do as a team, then it tends to work, you know, or at least you got a good run at it and you could track it on paper to see what is and isn't working, of course. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, we have artists that, you know, we just signed Trey Pierce as a fine example uh, to the agency. Uh, you know, he has four Grammys, you know. Uh, here's a guy who's toured, you know, the world. Um, you know, and and uh, so, you know, we sign things at that level just the same, you know. Um, 
But the beauty of the boutique agency uh, for us, you know, and what we enjoy is, you know, we kind of can do what we want. You know, we, we can sign who we want, take a chance on who we want, and we don't have a lot of the overhead as a lot of the other majors, of course. And um, so it makes it a little easier to do that. You know? uh, also, living in Athens probably helps on the overhead. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yes, it does. But one thing that seems to me that, that is would be tricky, you kind of alluded to it before, um, when you get to the point with a band moving from regional to national so they don't have to play the same markets again, but you know you get a certain draw in these markets, how do you make that decision to start playing less frequently in these markets that are used to having bands play so often and... And uh, you know, are you t- are you taking a gamble because you're not yet drawing across the country, and yet you're already starting to starve your core markets? I mean, how do you make those kind of decisions? Uh, you know, uh, you, you know, really, how I like to start that off. Um, you know, when I meet with an artist originally, or their management, you know, or the management PR team, is is really knowing how many dates a year a band wants to play. So, you know, if a band comes to me and says, "Oh, you know, we're you know," which <laughs> most of the time they have no idea how many how much they want to play. <laughs> I want to play know, all the. Yeah, as much as possible. You know, that's red flag right away. Yeah, red flag right away. You know, (laughs) but you know, at the end of the day, you know, if I look at 120 tour dates a year, I know they get need to get to those markets four times a year. You know, I divide that four into 120. I come up with 30 markets. Obviously, uh, the the 30 markets you know that are major cities, major college markets closest to home. Keep an overhead low as possible. Uh, you know that's where you start with the plan. You know, mm-hmm. and so as you build that area, to answer your question, I guess to as you build that area, um, yes, uh, hopefully you have growth and success, and you're tracking that and you're seeing that, and you're able to also put enough away to be able to go open new markets and kind of do the same recipe on rinse and repeat, so mm-hmm. to say. Uh, but You don't if, want to rely on those core markets too much. That, well, that's right. Well, you don't want to burn them out. Right. You know? And um, you become a regional act. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, so hopefully you get in there, lay a solid enough base to help finance, um, you know, working other regions. And, and you know, that works kind of in harmony with the starvation of the markets you initially started with. And then, you know, you take, you know, a band who's doing... You know, first out of the gate, the first three years, maybe, you know, 60 markets on the East Coast. You know, you hope after, you know, eight to 10 years, you know, those 60 markets on the East Coast are 20 markets, but they're all in 2,500 capacity theaters by that time on a $25, $30 ticket, you know, because you had to start bleeding them out. You know, some of the little third world markets, as I call them, um, you know, some of just the off the beaten path plays where... Uh, you know, initially might be good money, you know, for them, uh, but as time grows... They um, become a weeknight gig. Yeah. Throw them in on yeah. a routing thing Mondays on a Tuesday. sometimes, yeah. Mondays. Hey, Sunday, maybe. Depending Wait on a where second. We, we used to do a Tuesday series. What are you trying to say? <laughs> no, but if you... Actually, it would, <laughs> no, might get us on a tangent, but you'd think if I were a community booker doing gigs, I would I would do a Wednesday afternoon thing because a lot of these artists are on the road looking mm-hmm. to fill dates and you might get them at a, at a, a reduced rate, right? Uh, if, you very are, much. if you are a student at a university and you happen to uh, be in an organization or a club, you can call Chad Denny because his bands do travel through your town and they can do the afternoon set, which by the way is a great way to promote the nighttime show. Just a tip out there, folks. <laughs> that does work sometimes. <laughs> if there's no radio calls, of course. <laughs> uh, you know, no, you're 100% right. I mean, you know, if you're doing off-date play uh, in a market, you're liable to get that much cheaper. And, and um, you know, so a buyer's liable to really get, you know, maybe a more national-style band for, you know, a regional type of price on an off-date because somebody needs to route. Uh, the other beauty of that is, is 
it, on the Wednesday, you probably don't have as much competition in that market either. You know, so if you can really snag that show, then it like double benefits you in that regard as well. Mm-hmm. You know, because you're probably not going up against much. So you're getting in front of people you otherwise might not be. Well, right, and you're not going up against a big weekend show, you know, where it might be Georgia Theater or something of that nature where, you know, there's a really big national in there that splits that crowd, you know. So, um, you know, so yeah, there's a lot of, uh, you know, yes, book all your Tuesdays and Wednesdays immediately. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) what about about with your roster? Uh, Is there a lot of synergy within your roster? Uh, Bands, maybe, you know, one strong in Virginia, another one strong in Colorado, and they can go ahead and gig swap, or is it... Every band for themselves. Yeah, no, I mean, there is a a little bit of all of that sprinkled in. Um, You know, we definitely, you know, work to, you know, kind of keep somewhat of a, uh, you know, kind of a mutually, you know, kind of feel, I guess, throughout the roster uh, musically. Um, But, you know, but it still runs the gamut even trying to do that. But, yeah, we, you know... we definitely have a lot of Northeast bands that we represent, Midwest, Colorado, Southeast, and yeah, we definitely, you know, there's a lot of synergy going on and a lot of, uh, you know, package tours together and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, you know, obviously, uh, you know, a band from the Midwest that's got, you know, uh, you know, good name and, and good hype and uh, just the same one from the Northeast, you know, we find we can package them up and put them in the South where maybe neither one of them has been and it, you know, tends to get people out because it's like, oh, wait. Those are two of those bands I can see tonight, you know. Knock them out. Yeah, so, you know, it helps. That makes a lot of sense. And speaking also of of seeing multiple bands in one night, uh, as a booking agent, festivals. I mean, festivals, are they now a primary, when... Uh, are they now a primary source of revenue for your bands or or for bands in general? What's what's the nature climate on, on booking festivals? Is that the... Priority or where? Well, I mean, it's, you know, festivals are always a priority, you know. I mean, you know, you've got, uh, you know, a lot of uh, people in attendance uh, in most cases. And, uh, you know, everybody wants to play the, you know, Bonnaroo's or Electric Forest uh, of the World or a Halloween uh, or or Summer Camp, uh, whatever it may be. But, um, you know... those kind of also come down to uh, artist history. Uh, you know, I mean, you could kind of sneak one in the back door that no one's kind of heard of or may not have a lot of, uh, you know, kind of market history in that region. And, um, you know, a, a buyer may see it and want to expose it, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, that happens very little, honestly. <laughs> but it helps uh, to have a relationship with them, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because they kind of tear out, they book the big names first and they move their way down. So if you have a relationship, yeah, you're ongoing with them, you catch them on the right week, then you can slide on your accent maybe, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, it, you know, it's uh, once again, you know, I mean, it, it, it comes down to dollars and cents, you know. So, um, you know, a lot of the time they're stacking these bills, um, you know, with a lot of the major agencies, obviously, uh, who's, you know, holding thousands of major mm-hmm. national touring artists. And, you know, and at the same time, you know, when you, you know, buy a Red Hot Chili Peppers, you're probably going to take 25 other artists on that roster as well uh, sure. that you may or may not want, you know. Right. But that's just part of getting Red Hot Chili Peppers, mm-hmm. you know. So, so, you know, that exists as well, you know. So for us, it's a fight, you know. I mean, obviously, um, you know, uh, on some of the more major events, uh, you know, when it comes down to what we kind of consider the more festy type of events, you know, you're a couple thousand 
person type of event. Um, you know, that's where a lot, you know, they're pulling heavier from a regional standpoint, obviously. And, you know, obviously that's uh, where a lot of our artists then become headliners on those events, you know, so. Let me ask you this without being specific. How uh, many times have you had an artist play festival for free just because it was such a promotional benefit? Yeah, it's all about the exposure. I, yeah. I got a great opportunity. Listen, <laughs> how many times, let him answer the question yeah. first. How many times uh, does that happen? Uh, probably at least a hundred. Oh, really? Oh. So that is frequent. Oh, it's very frequent. Uh, you know, uh, or, you know, here's some tickets you can sell to the festival. Oh, right. <laughs> that, oh, that one's always a good curveball. Hey, yeah. man, we love the band. We can't, you know, wait. We're, we'll give you 10 tickets to sell to the event. Suddenly you can, in their sales play. department. Yeah, it reminds me of that pickup on Instagram not long ago where it's like, sell 15 oh, yeah. tickets and you can play the outdoor stage. And it was, you know, two DJs set up on an ironing board in the backyard, you know. It's kind of <laughs> kind of the same gimmick, you know. Uh, <laughs> DJ firm and fit. What are you going to say? You had an idea. Festival world's tricky. Oh, I was just though. joking. It's tricky. Oh. It, it, you know, it, it's political and it's just tricky. You yeah. Know? Um, a lot, a lot of people fighting for uh, those slots, and uh, you know, you win some and you lose some, and that's just how it is. Mm-hmm. How many relationships do you still <laughs> do you lose? That's the question, right? It's well, got to be frustrating. Well, you got to hate people sometimes, but love them. You know, the next week. Well, you know, it's you know, the artist kind of you know. Especially ones that are out there working hard and, and really building, um, you know, it's it's a lot of work keeping them grounded. You know, they see a lot of artists that, you know, may have gotten on that, and in their eyes, from a perception standpoint, you know, they may be on the same level, but um, you know, but they didn't get on it, you know, and and you know, so they wonder why and and things of that nature. Um, so. You know, it's probably a festival calling right then. That or, or is that that ringtone's actually one of Chad's new bands called the? Uh, oh, I thought it was Vivaldi. No, no, no. It's, it's the, the band's called the Instagrams. They, uh, Available for for colleges now. Look me on Tuesdays. They was looking to fill a lot of Tuesdays. Yeah, right. on a Tuesday. Yep. You know, as I look at your uh, lineup, the, there's one band that. Actually, two right next to each other that jump out. Can you guess what I'm talking about? Uh, well, I would guess one would be Perpetual Groove, knowing the big fan you are. Oh, there, well, Bob. sure, I love them, but the the name Blue Blue Belly. Blue Billy Grit and Broccoli Samurai right next to each other. Yes. Can yes. you talk about those two bands? Can uh, you actually, can you say that again? Yeah. Blue, quicker? Blue, Blue Billy Grit. Blue, Blue Billy Grit and Broccoli Samurai. <laughs> Come on down, see Blue Billy Grit. Come on down, see Blue Billy Grit. We're going to get started about 8 p.m. We're going to play real fast right. so we can get the show done in two hours. Uh, real quick question before you do talk about the band. Uh-huh. On the rider, is it true that they do have blueberries? Uh, probably. All right. Um, so <laughs> to your question. Blueberry Grits, that is. <laughs> it is a Blueberry Grit reference. <laughs> right, what kind of music that. do they play? Uh, they're uh, like, actually kind of an Americana bluegrass band. Cool. And uh, they, they tend to do a uh, pretty good mix of covers and originals, a pretty really good spin on, uh, you know, cover material. And and th- they tend to go out and do a lot more privates for us than they do. They're, they're kind of uh, a little older, and they, they tend to stick in the private world a little bit more so than... Uh, the you know kind of circuit that exists out there. Um, is that something you specialize in being in Athens and having relationships with some of the uh, fraternity sororities and do those private functions? Those, they pay pretty well if, I, if I'm right. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean we've got uh, f- multiple fraternity events tonight and tomorrow uh, actually uh, and yes they pay very well. Um, yeah, you know. So, and, But they want covers, right? Well, not always, you know. I mean, uh, you know, some expect a little bit of that, but, you know, probably no more than you're doing in your, you know, normal four or 500 capacity venue. Um, you know, you're going to give them a few covers and, uh, you know, a lot of original stuff and hope it sticks and, 
you know, uh, you know, you get that same exposure Seth mm-hmm. was talking about. So if you get paid a lot more for it, <laughs> and, there, and there's a secret and to it that helps to offset, you know, expenses for markets maybe where you're not picking up money uh-huh. or festivals where you're not getting the money. You know, you can offset it with stuff like. And that. And let's be real; these guys are going to be in their twenties soon, and young people in the employment world, they're going to be, you know, maybe live music supporters, and they'll know you. You know, oh yeah, so I'm at my, my frat. Sure, mm-hmm. I'll go check them out at the Orpheum or whatever. Yeah, there's, absolutely. There's a secret though to, uh, in my opinion, there's. A, there's a little bit of a secret to reaching and bringing in that audience. When you have those opportunities, it's not all about just dropping your original music because that's just, you know, you want to drop your original, they're going to, if they don't like it, you know, they're going to like it. The key, and this is a Colonel Bruce thing, we'll talk to him later tonight. The key is actually that you get the girls dancing because when the girls are dancing, guess what? The guys are dancing, and now you got an audience. And how do you make that audience? How do you bring those people to get that comfort level? You got to drop the covers. And years ago, I would tell you, oh, I hate bands that, you know, that play covers. But if you can break people's borders, you, know, you, break, you, you, break, you break, that, that, uh, to break the ice, if you will. But, you know, they, um, the, there's, no, there's no scared. They, they just kind of let loose. Uh, talking like it's an insect here. Right? <laughs> no, but it's an, it's an example where my fan instincts come in contrary with my business instincts. Because as a fan... I'm not looking to hear covers, you know, particularly like, I know you writer, I've heard that to death. I don't need to hear anyone do that. <laughs> but younger folks, you know, if you're trying to develop a band, I have to admit that, that it, you have to time it right. Like there was one time I saw Moon Tax and they threw, um, they mm-hmm. threw whipping posts in the middle of a set and that, it really seemed strange. Particularly yes. when they were, they were, even when they were a young band, they had such great songs. Of oh, their own, you know what I mean? Yeah, great band. So then they did this like kind of mediocre version and whipping posts kind of derailed what had been a, a killer set. Mm-hmm. But... I don't know. You do have to do them sometime. They have to be well paced, particularly toward the end. Gives mm-hmm. them some, gives people well, but see, something. Well, see, this is where I disagree. But, but, I'm, but, I'm but saying here's you the thing. The what, you know what? What I've observed in, in that world is, you know, uh, for a new band, let's say playing a new market or getting in front of a you know new demographic somewhere, um, you know, you can sit there and watch that band and listen to it musically and compare it to you know a, a lot of different things that you might hear through there. You know, you know, I feel like that cover thing kind of comes in to make a relationship with the audience, you know, so you, you kind of feel where they come from, you know, so yeah, I feel yeah. like, you know, it's kind of picked from there and, and it, you know, it, you know, if they bust out, you know, a, a, you know, a fish tune, you know, then you go, oh yeah, they're, they're from that world, you know, and, it, but you know, all the fish fans in the audience are like, oh wait, wait, you know, yeah, maybe I like this, you know, because, you know, there's, there's a uh, mentality that happens. And all, all of a sudden the, the show changes for, for that, the, the audience member, because now there, there's a relationship with the band. They feel like they, they're connected to them somehow, yes. even if, like you're saying. Yeah. But then all of a sudden, they actually listen. So the band drops <laughs> yeah. the originals, and they're like listening to them as opposed to just yes. chatting in the back. Yeah. It's a good point. Yeah. Do you know what Humphreys does that I like, though? Is um, Everything. <laughs> no, but seriously. <laughs> yeah. And there are a few, few other bands. And something the Dead didn't do, and something that I feel recently Fish has also been doing, has started doing more and more, and that's keeping the uh, covers in lighter rotation than the originals. So yes. in other words, you don't hear the covers as frequently over the course of time if you see a band or hear them a lot. Whereas even with the Grateful Dead, you know, they play yeah. some of those covers to death. But, but you know, that's another thing, you know, I mean, at a level of, you know, fish out there, you know, it's, it's amazing that they do any covers, you know. So, you know, they so do, I think but they do covers to, in, in a way. They do, right. they do covers in a way that people think they're originals. Well, Certainly Frankenstein yeah, would, be yeah. a, would be a version <laughs> well, of you, that. You know, the Dead was the masters of that, obviously. You know, <laughs> The world's greatest cover band, weren't they? Certainly, <laughs> they redefined Not Fade Away, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So you know, it's uh, you know, like I say, at the end of the day, I, you know, I don't mind a good cover. You know, um, 
And I like when the artists put their own twist on it, obviously. I, I don't want to hear it note for note exactly. or anything mm -hmm. of that nature. You if you're going to do something I've heard yeah. on Classic Rock Radio, then do something interesting with it or just... Yes. It's not for me. But then again, I have to remember, when I was a kid and they were doing stuff from the 50s and 60s, it was pretty special to me. So to younger people, yeah. maybe hearing songs that just, I'm sick to death of is kind of special. Yeah, it's, it's, you, you have to be classic, careful having... Classic rock? Because I, I put on a classic rock radio channel on the way here and they were playing Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam's yep, classic definitely. rock? Well, it's 20 years old. Particularly the first three albums are very much considered classic rock now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's I interesting. I, I, think, interesting. I think anything over 20 years old is considered classic rock. I do right. seem to remember that when, they, when classic yeah. rock came around. I think it was yes. a Rochester station started in 87, <laughs> right. and it was a 20-year thing. Because yeah. I remember it freaked me out when trucking, when I first tr heard trucking. Oh, <laughs> All right. I was pretty young. So, so what would you say then when you heard that it was kid rock? <laughs> <laughs> But listen, one of these things, obviously, Seth uh -huh. works with uh, Work Exchange Team. He does a lot of work with yeah. young folks trying to get their way through in the music industry. Can you, can you talk about, um, well, first of all, talk about the importance of having experience when people come to you looking for work. Mm -hmm. And can you also just talk, um, you know, maybe some heads up for young people who maybe want to do what you do or do other things in the music business? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I, I think for, you know, me is much different than you guys. You know, I mean, we all had a love for music, you know, and we just found our way in. And then, you know, we probably, you know, as Seth mentioned earlier, you know, he was a promoter for a while. And, and uh, you know, it wasn't until later that, you know, he kind of settled into the PR thing and then the, you know, the wet uh, exchange program and things of that nature, you know much like you you know you've been a music journalist for ever since I've known you that's where I know you from you know and uh, you know so it really wasn't much different than me you know I mean I you know I, I was booking a band Ancient Harmony at the time you know I, I actually used to play and tour a, a little bit down in the southeast region and and you know quite honestly uh, one day uh, my bass player quit and uh, I had some friends of mine a band called Ancient Harmony and and uh, Shell Stamps yeah great band man that's how like, month it's one of the, yeah one of the greatest unknown bands out there maybe uh, well I can't say for all time but <laughs> all time for me it's was, it was fantastic I hate a lot of people uh hasn't heard them but you know at the end of the day you know um, yeah you know uh, they had a new album coming out and I was like hey let me you know help book some shows so y'all can go kind of get this album out there a little bit and you know the next thing I know um, you know we're buying tour buses and signing with Luan Records out of Colorado and getting uh, audio equipment from Jim Odie <laughs> yeah, the, the Odie, Odie Brothers the Odie Brothers really helped Odie. spread it legendary yeah. Odie Brothers from Northern I, Florida right yeah yeah, absolutely. Even yeah. the Grateful Dead uh, used some of their Southern stuff. Georgia. Oh, yeah. Southern, Southern oh, they Georgia. are in Georgia. We can claim them. Uh, yes, we can. I didn't yeah. Yeah. Thomasville. Yeah, great. Oh, they're Thomasville, like Daniel. They, Excellent. They did a great job of helping spread uh, the music back then, you know. And, and you know, and back then, that that was the thing and, and what's so much different than the world we live in today, you know. Um, you know, back then, um, everyone that was kind of behind the scenes and somewhat connected as a music fan, you know, they were getting bootlegs and, you know, getting turned on from people that way. You know, so, you know, they didn't have all this crazy amount of media coming at us that we do today, you know, and, uh, you know, it's, you know, so it's pretty wild, you know, when you kind of think back to how things used to work. Oh, yeah, back, they, back when they would come to Tallahassee, I would just drive around in my car with a megaphone going, Flirted, don't forget to come out tonight. We got Ancient Harmony at the warehouse. Five dollars to enter. That's only five dollars to enter. Come one, come all. Bring the latest. And that was like a $15 ticket these days. And Ben used to, I remember Ben oh, Ferguson. I used to help that. him uh, hand out these cassettes he would make with the, he would write the tour yeah. dates on and he'd have like live, yeah, you know, absolutely. particularly good live shows. And that, 
That's yeah, a smart yeah. way of promoting that. CDs. Well, yeah. Yeah, I used to do a CD uh, compilation, and on it would be a, an image of a, a cream cheese, and it said, "Please spread this cream." Spread the. It would say, "Please spread this CD like cream cheese on a bagel." <laughs> I'm glad Seth found a platform for his dry one-liners. It's so <laughs> awesome. That one was a locks. Uh, the, yeah, locks that one. In. So, Chad. Uh, you, you said something that, that, that really hit me. Um, take a price on a, a you know college night or you know show band coming in five dollars. It was always five dollars. Did it move to ten? You said fifteen. Is that the average ticket price? I mean, you know, there's a perception that comes with ticket price. You know, I mean, these days, you know, you you would think, well, let's do it at five dollars. A lot of people will come. It's cheap, you know. But people then look at that. And it's like, oh, it's five bucks, you know. So they think it's a five dollar band, you know. So, you know, so there's that perception thing that comes with it. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, if the Super Bowl was, you know, fifty bucks, so, you know, probably wouldn't be as cool, you know. So, you know, there, there's, you know, people want what they can't have. So, you know, it's really finding and tapping into that. That, but at the same time, mm-hmm. not overpricing yourself on a show either, you know. So, you know, it's tricky. It usually comes down to market history, you know, pricing. Mm-hmm. And and you are a master of perception. And I, you know, I think one of the things that you bring to your agency that is different than a lot of agents out there is that you add a level of management. Uh, and when I, when I say that, by talking to the bands and saying, like, look, this is what's going on. We can get you in these rooms, but maybe it's not worth that. Or, you know, perception-wise. I remember with mm-hmm. P-Groove, there was the big decision where do we invest in the lighting or do we invest and then invest in the bus? And it's like, okay, well, you're taking a lot of your money putting it into a bus and putting it into lighting. But when you roll into town, you're rolling in on a bus, and when you roll out of that festival, you're rolling out on a on a bus. And it, and you're right, it did it did add a lot of perception. What was the decision? What, what what did you guys go with first? Uh, well, you know, I think we did the lights and the bus. <laughs> that was the bad decision. <laughs> No, you know, the guys, uh, you know, look, you know, back in those days, you know, it, it sounds so weird, you know, because, you know, we, we're all talking, you know, like early 2000, you know, so gosh, almost, you know, 14, 15 years ago. Um, you know, back then, uh, the difference in seeing a band and seeing a show was the production and the lighting, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, you know, if you look at some of the ones that were kind of, you know, the Disco Biscuits and, you know, Sound Tribe and Umphreys and... The, the jam world, the, yeah. In general, really, yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Pretty much the jam world in general. Um, you know, the ones that kind of rose to the top in that, you know, they didn't rise there because of their lighting. But, you know, from a fan perspective, that really was, brings the music to life. Well, it, it, it does it that. Some, it gives people yeah. something to talk about more than just the show. Well, it was the difference in going to see a band and going to see a show. Sure. You know, I mean, right. that, that, there was a production value to it, which, you know, then you could charge a little bit more money for that, for, you know, for that production value. And, and promoters love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, you know, it's one of those things at the end of the day that it, it really, um, if you look at the bands that kind of rose out of that, you know, you know, because as we all know, there was there were just hundreds of them then. I mean, you know, I went through, uh, um, you know, Homegrown Music Network catalog the day, <laughs> other day, and I was like, wow, I forgot about all these bands. Barefoot you know? Manor. Yeah, I absolutely <laughs> love those guys. Acoustic Syndicate. Yeah, Addison Groove Project. Yeah, that's right. Foxtrot Zulu. <laughs> I have a Rack <laughs> CD in the car. I was listening to Rack today. Yes. R-A-Q. Uh, Remember them? R-A-Q. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, so back in those days, you 
yeah, that that production, you know, the bands that were doing that were the bands that seemed to arose above a lot of the ones that weren't doing that, mm-hmm. you know. And, and so, you know, so that's very key. You know, the bus is very comfortable. <laughs> you know, so, you know. Yeah, but you always took you 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 would get these hotel rooms and from me, and then you'd be like, "But listen, just give us the money on the hotel rooms. Don't worry about it. Uh, I, yes. We've got a deal. So just give us, you know, a hundred dollars per person. Like, oh, okay, what? Wait, what? and then you roll up in a bus. I'm like, what happened to the hotels? You're like, oh, what hotels? But the, the money's in your pocket. What are you doing? We still have to put the driver up. That's called savvy. Oh, it's those low guarantee stuff. And, uh, and as, as, as things change and evolve um, with your roster, uh, EDM gets popular. Do you guys have any EDM artists? Or are you? You know, um, no. Uh, we, we brought in a, a Jonathan Sims uh, uh, about six months ago to, you know, uh, which, you know, good thing we're right on top of things, uh, you know, to kind of head up a little bit more of that. Um, uh, to be quite honest, um, I kind of missed the EDM thing. Uh, not that I didn't see it coming. Uh, it, it wasn't something I really connected. You don't really see it; you hear it. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. It's very true. Uh, Yeah, it wasn't something I connected to in a in a major way, and and uh, you know I can respect the people you know that were out there doing it, and and some are better than others to me, but. Um, you know, like Pretty Lights when, you know, Derek goes out and he, you know, does the full band mm-hmm. thing. You know, I think that makes it really special. The guys from Lettuce, Adam Deitch. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, you know, I, I respect that on a different level. And, you know, and, and those guys are out there working hard like everyone else, not to take anything away. But it just wasn't one of those things that, you know, really uh, I connected to and attracted to a whole lot. And, and you know... Uh, so, so we didn't really sign a, a lot of uh, artists that were up and coming in that world. Um, it, it, it was a totally different, you know, sell by the mm-hmm. rooms were different. Everything about it was different. You, you know? ever, um, you ever uh, pick up an act that you just, quite frankly, don't really like their music, but uh, but you like, you know, what they represent and how they execute it? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, that happens. Uh, you know, we work it equally as hard. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. At the end of the day, you know, I guess I'm going to use that cliche again, but uh, really, you know, it's like I tell some of the new agents, sometimes you need the artist that's making the money to be able to sign two artists that's not making money, but you love them and it's your passion project. So, you know, maybe that band that, you know, you're just, you know, not crazy about, but, you know, you, you respect it and for what it is and, and, and respect what they're doing and, and their message and, and so forth, and it should be spread out there. Uh, but, that, uh, you know, really, yeah, you know, one act like that can can bring up two smaller ones, you mm-hmm. know, that, that maybe you're not making money from. So, yeah, that's uh, the little balancing juggle act that happens sometimes. Uh, do rooms offer residencies anymore? Um, you know, sometimes, yes, 8 by 10 in Baltimore. Um, I think they uh, do like a Wednesday night residency throughout the summer. Madison Square Garden does, or is that just with Billy Joel? Oh, yeah, just, yeah, so that's a good residency to have. <laughs> sure. Uh, uh, you know, it, it still exists. Um, and to be quite honest with you, um, I met with an artist not long ago, and they had very limited tour dates uh, that they could go run. And so they were looking at about 20, you know, 15 to 20 markets because uh, they were still all working day jobs. And they were like, well, you know, what if we had a residency on a Wednesday in this market for the entire month and then Thursday for, you know, this entire month, you know, all in the same month. So really there would be like five different markets uh, or, you know, four, you know, Wednesday through Saturday. Uh, so it really only be four markets, but you know they would hit it. You know every Wednesday of the month, every Thursday, every Friday, every Saturday, 
And, you know, I like that. I thought it was a pretty good idea. It wasn't as easy to book as I thought it might be. Um, but I, I will say this. Um, that works. Uh, you know, Residency? matter of fact, yeah, I mean, when well, I was talking about Ancient the... Harmony, you know, the Odies, you know, that's how they attracted to, to Ancient Harmony back in the day as we were doing a residency in Tallahassee. And, and by the end of the month... You know, they're sending, you know, dats and bootlegs all over the country to all the, you know, uh, deadheads that were just out there, you know, spreading music. Um, God and, bless the Odies, man. That's, yeah. that's excellent. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so the rest of the sea works. You know, yeah. if you can find a, a good market to do it in. Um, well, they say if you if you uh, do it on the on a cruise ship that it, you would actually be doing a real residency. <laughs> Interesting point. One-liners. <laughs> it also can be good creatively if, if a band's in a creative peak and they want to just get new material out there and get used to playing it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that and, and uh, you know, it also makes it easy, um, you know, to, you know, push the product, push the show. You know, if you're coming back every week, somebody who sees it, say, on the first show, you know, they're bringing people back all through the week and then those people are bringing it back and, you know, hopefully by the end of that residency, you know... You, you don't play it for another uh, six months, you starve the market. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, that, which is exactly what you would do, you know, go yeah. in there and just, uh, you know, uh, hit it with the old right, left, and then starve it down for, you know, a month or two, and then, you know, come yeah. back on a Friday, Saturday. You ever talk to your bands before they go out on tour? Now, guys, listen up. And you talk to them like your coach, like, all right, now, this is what we're going to do. You're going to hit it. You're going to go four times. And then, Johnny Boy, I want you to come back around. And when you come back around, I want you to be telling blah, 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 whatever, you know. Play one for the chatter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, man, no, not really. Uh, you know, management's that world, you know, at the end of the day. Um, you know, we're, we're booking shows. Wait, we just asked the management guy. He said that was your job, actually. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, so man- uh, management pushing another thing onto the agent. Gosh, those guys. <laughs> Do you, is your phone shut off at night now? Uh, yes, pretty much so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Hey, it's not shut off, but it rings very seldom. You know. Call uh, your mother. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the first question is, who advanced? You know, who advanced the show? No one. All right, that's your problem. You know, hang it up. <laughs> no, you know, uh, management's, you know, kind of dealing more with the day-to-day, uh, you know, nuances within the band and then uh, lack of a better term, the drama in between everybody. And, and uh, you know, we're, we're just kind of working on the, you know, the live touring aspect. Uh, you, you know, for an artist, you know, there's really three ways of, ever make money or at least you know will come in through the three revenue streams and and that's going to be your merchandise obviously your publishing and then your live show touring income and so you know we we try to steer as much as we can away from pep talks and just you know focus on the live touring aspect of their career remind them it's a business <laughs> yeah and, and, yeah, and, and business. any chance you can remind a young musician it's a business uh, absolutely and uh, the financial people always have to remind the young <laughs> musicians that are successful that it also can be very fleeting <laughs> oh so very appreciate so. it and yes. Don't go crazy spending your money. Yes, that's absolutely. Well, Chad, Denny, we, it's been a pleasure to catch up with you. It's been a long time since I've, uh, we've seen you, so it's good absolutely. to see you and hear you. And uh, thanks for sharing your, uh, well, for, for one thing, thanks for sharing with me for the years that I've known you and helping uh, helping me be able to get into this business. And Yeah, you're a very positive part of the music scene. It's been great watching you grow. You I, as I mentioned in our first episode, you were one of the first people in Atlanta who uh, embraced me when I moved down here. And you took me backstage at Harvest <laughs> Fest and... 
Does introduce owe you that twenty dollars. <laughs> <laughs> you introduced me to Soundman, so I could play John John Shane you... CDs between bands. <laughs> How many people did you get to move to Atlanta? Is the real question. I think you... there's a bunch. You there's Seth. a bunch. You Lord Seth. Hey, they're still gonna build that route between. Oh my God, Atlanta, dude. Atlanta and Athens. The oh, rail. It's yes, coming, the rail. Man. I it's can't coming. believe you. you can't, I can't believe your brother. He's been saying this for years. Oh, just, listen, Seth, man, you're gonna. I'm, I'm in Athens now, but listen, they're gonna be a bullet train. You'll be come up in ten minutes. You'll be you'll be here in ten minutes. Just just come to Atlanta, just wait it out. Well, I've also heard of the toll road with no exits to Atlanta and Athens. That was always supposed to be built. Yeah, that yep. still might happen, right? Yeah, that, I think they've been trying to do it for a long time. I, I guess Athens is trying to keep the Atlanta folks out. Yeah, right. The well, university wants it, but the town doesn't. That kind of thing. <laughs> yes, probably. Hey, speaking of university, uh, college students, people uh, that are interested in getting their feed into the booking uh, business. Do you do, um, do you do an internship or anything like that? Do you want to let people know about? Uh, yeah, we do. Uh, we usually, a lot of the time, take uh, in our interns from the UGA Music Business Program. Oh, here great at, program. Yeah, yeah, great program with David Barbie over there and Tom Lewis. And um, uh, most of the interns that come in come through there. Um, uh, you know, not opposed if, you know, a, a resume just fell in the box one day and somebody, you know, was really interested in it, you know, and, and it was a good fit for the agency. Sure, we, we, we would look at bringing And what in. about bands, uh, management that has a band that wants to uh, reach you? What's your... Uh... Yeah, yeah, you find us at nimbleslick.com uh, and there should be an artist submission on there. All and, right. Uh, yeah. All right, well, thanks for uh, listening, everyone in the chat. Thanks for coming in. Again, Thank you're you listening guys. to Inside Out with Turner and Seth WT. NS. WTNS. <laughs>
Get the it fries. It is very cool. So thanks, everybody, for listening to Inside Out WTNS. And we keep telling you this. Please. Write please. us. Write yes. us. Inside Out WTNS at gmail.com. And as Rob loves to tell you, you can always find us on social media. Inside Out WTNS is your key. Inside Out WTNS. You know, two less, two more things on Chad. The biggest surprise, I can't believe so many bands play festivals for free. That, that doesn't seem fair. I know they well, get a promotion listen, out of it. listen, fanboy. I can't believe that. This is something. I, I, I thought for sure he'd say, oh, yeah, that's happened a few times, but hundreds of times? Yeah, listen, I tell you this every day. You do. You want some exposure? Yeah. Come play my kid's party. And my biggest gaffe, I did have a little gaffe in there. You didn't pick up on it. What do you mean? Well, I talked to R.A.Q., Rack. I talked about them like they're a past tense, but they've been touring. As a matter of fact... Oh, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I didn't realize that. I, they I just, are. I, when you My say friend rack, Kevin Castles is going to crush me because he's huge. If you say Rack and then you say... They don't play the South. Uh, That's the thing. And then you say um, Particle, I'm going to think you're talking about the late 90s. No, Rack is still 2000s. out there cranking it. They just had Natalie and James from the Trey Band and members of Big Gigantic sit in with them uh, uh, the last November. They're out there. They're touring. They still do Booch Magoo. They still do Carbohydrates on Anime. Rack, R-A-Q, they're still out there. So, Well, uh, if you're not a jam band fan, please do listen to us next week because next week we'll be going into the depths of indie rock. Well, actually, next week we're doing beer. Everybody likes bear and beer and music parallels. We'll leave you with this. Beer, 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 that's right. We have Spike from Terrapin Brewery. We want to thank Terrapin again for uh, housing our interview, not just of Spike, but the one you just heard with Chad Denny. They're always very kind. They also, uh, we sampled some of their product. We got to try Pilsner. A, uh, the Pilsner. We got to try a new uh, Belgian. We, and Spike, you'll hear about the side projects. That's really fun. Like the, the How do we try a new Belgian when we try Terrapin? Two different things. No, it was the new Belgian brew, remember? New Belgian brewery? Yes, I understand. No, it was a new, um, the next side project that's coming out is oh. a Belgian that's brewed by Terrapin. Hey, not no. New Belgian, the company. I understand that. That was, that was not a pun. That was genuine confusion. Speaking of puns, may we leave before we enter, before we leave the show and enter into our closer, we have a moment of silence for the late, great Gary Shandling. Hey now. Hey now. And with that, thank you everyone for listening.